when we learn something new, one of the issues that we have to be careful of, for example, I want to learn to catch more fish. I want to go fishing and not casting. I want to go fishing and catch fish. And so when we learn something new, it's not so much what are we going to learn, but today I want to invite you to say, well, maybe just as important as how are we going to learn it. As an example, uh, I can learn to fly fish by going on to a video and watching that video and learning a lot. People can sell me books about learning to fish, and I can read those books. Uh, I, 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 I can carry around a little card that will say, now remember, go in this order, you know. And, and that will help me learn to fish. And I can go to a fishing store and they can sell me hundreds, no, thousands of dollars worth of equipment to be a better fisherman. And, 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 and more than that, what's probably most important is I'm not going to catch any fish until I go out to the river. I got to be where the fish are. And, and, and I, I have tried at home to just think fish into my house. Okay, trout. And, and it doesn't work. I haven't yet to see one fish walk up and say, okay, I got the message. I'm here. Uh, tell me what you want me to do. That's never happened to a trout. Well, in addition to what we want to grow in is the question of how we will do that. And, and I've got a perfect example here because, of, you know, two weeks ago we started, well, what's our mission statement? What is it that we say to our community and to each other that we want to do? We want to be people who are not just um, sitting around patting each other on the back, but we want through our relationship with God to be honoring him. We want to be honoring him as we build up families, serve our community, and share Jesus' love with the whole world. So that we took it from there then to look at what is this core value. And, and it, you know, when we have that mission statement, the issue is how will we do that? How will it be displayed? Well, some of that will be through the values that we express that we think are already a part of us, and we just need to say them better. And, and one of those was that idea of come as you are, that we are not perfect, and we do not expect you to be perfect either. So come as you are is a way that we express grace to one another. And grace is important. Grace is so important because we're going to be experiencing people that come to us in real pain. And, and some of that pain will be self-inflicted and we'll look at them and what we'll want to say is, you dear idiot. But that won't keep them. That won't make them feel welcome. Instead, we want to be helping them with their needs first. And, and, and then if we develop a trusting relationship, they may ask, how, how could I not repeat this? So we started with that, uh, that key core value, grace. And the other core value, which is going to be expressed in four different ways, is then once we have grace, how does a Christian grow? Grace gets us into the kingdom of God. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's not our own doing. It is the gift of God. Grace gets us into the kingdom. But how do we grow in our relationship with God? And we want to present certain things to you this morning that I think you will say, well, yeah, I agree. Uh, You stated it well. And we have a perfect example of three people that find themselves for a few weeks together and each of them shows how they are going to be growing differently, but all growing. So uh, we have three characters so far and each of them is in the kingdom of God by grace. The first one was Luke. 
The second one was Paul, who was known as Saul at the beginning of Acts. And now as we go on to uh, the next part, we have a woman that intersects with these two in, in, a, in, in a city called Philippi, which is a unique city in the whole Roman Empire. And uh, she, she connects with those two, and through them she becomes a Christian herself. Her name is Lydia. She's a businesswoman. And she's not just a businesswoman. She has a franchise. She has a shop on two continents. And Lydia, more than that, has a specific, she's in the fashion industry, she has a specific thing she does. Anybody wearing purple this morning? Raise your hand. Okay, two, three, four. You would love Lydia. That's all she did. She made purple clothes. So it wasn't so much the fashion as the color. She was an expert in dyeing clothing so that it would be purple. Kings, royalty, they would be the ones who would buy that. Well, we get to this point, and again, it's not so much what happened to Lydia, but how she expresses that. I'm going to be in uh, Acts chapter 16, looking at a few verses, but beginning at verse 11. And 11 begins to uh, share how Paul and Luke was with them and some others uh, actually got to this place called Philippi. And it begins with Luke trying to do a ministry in Turkey, but the God keeps telling him, you can't do that. I'm not going to let you do that. And, and then he has a dream of, of someone in Macedonia, northern Greece, saying, please come and help us. And it was a man who was saying to him, please come and help us. Well, so he and his team uh, go through a journey and they find themselves ending up in Philippi, and this is the way the journey occurs. From Troas, which would be a part of Turkey, we put out to sea. Notice it says we. What does that mean? Who wrote Acts? Luke. When it says we, it doesn't mean Paul and some other dude. It's Paul and Luke. They were together at this time. It's called one of the we uh, uh, phrases or we sections of the book of Acts. So we... Uh, uh, put out to sea and sail through Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis, which was the port city of Philippi. Um, and let's see. Uh, from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Now on to verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now, understand that Paul has this dream of a man saying, please come and help us. And he gets to Philippi, and there's no Jewish men for him to share the gospel with. So he must be thinking, I came to the wrong place. I have in my vision this this man, and I haven't seen him yet. Well, instead, because there's no not enough Jewish men in that city, what, what Paul and Luke and the rest of the team do, do is they know that when there's not a synagogue in a city, and because of the history of Philippi, that would be one of the last places to have a lot of Jewish men. Uh, so since there's not a synagogue there, they realize that Jews, when they can't form a synagogue, find a place for private prayer, and it's always at the river, the, the river that, that feeds the water source uh, for the city. So there they are, and as they're there, all they see is women. What happened to all the men? Well, they just aren't there. 
So uh, there's these women praying. The men are probably in bed watching NFL, okay? Uh, so there's the women who believe, yeah, okay, we're going to be religious. We're going to do the right thing. And there they are. They're praying um, to uh, Jehovah God. And that is who Paul starts with. He didn't go to the wrong place. But instead, among them, he finds this woman named Lydia. And, and so it says in, the, in verse 13, we went outside, Luke, Paul, and the rest of the team, uh, the city gate, they went to the river, they found the place of prayer, and they shared with the woman there about Jesus. So uh, what happens next is amazing. And one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth uh, from the city of Thyatira, which is in Turkey, and they're in Greece, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the message. And here is what is so key about following Jesus Christ. You understand that as Lydia is listening for the first time about Jesus of Nazareth from Paul, that God grabs her heart. Now, the chances are, because of her name, that she's not a Jew by background. But maybe she had married one. She is named after a city in Turkey. And, 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 but the Lord loves the Jews and the Lord loves all of those who are seeking him. And, and so as Paul begin to sh- begins to share, this woman seems to give her attention to what Paul is saying. And then it says this, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Something we dare not forget as we work on human methods and systems and and try to improve our image, that what is happening in the human heart is what God is doing, not just what we have learned to do in a better way. God was doing this. And you've got to understand, just like I understand, there were times in which I was listening about Jesus and could care. I couldn't care at all. I said, I'd look at my watch and wonder, when do I get to get out of here? But there was one time when I sat down with a certain group of people that someone began to share. It was a very special time in my life. I was ending my senior year of high school. And suddenly when someone shared the same old story, I was listening. I was with a certain group of people. Uh, I was in a certain circumstances of my life. And for some reason, wondering what's going to happen for the rest of my life, there I'm listening. God grabbed her heart, and I have to say there was a moment in which God grabbed my heart, and and uh, I, he, for you know, I just didn't seem to want to be open. I was I was putting him at a distance. So this is how the shift of her faith comes. She shifts from all that she knew about Jehovah God to, for the first time in her life, hearing about Jesus of Nazareth. His death, his resurrection, his ministry, his supernatural power. Hearing all of those things and God opens her heart. You see, as I share with people about Jesus, I find this often happens. I know all the answers. I give them as as good as I can. I know all their objections and, and, and I've memorized certain answers. I have quotes that I can do. I go to scriptures, but often they say, thanks a lot. Hey, look, I gotta go. But when perhaps, and I've done this, I've done a lousy job and I've misquoted scripture, I've misquoted certain authors and, and, and I've just botched it all together, someone looks at me and says, what do I do next? 
Now, wait a minute. Come back in a month and I'll be more prepared. No, see, it's not my preparation so much as God grabs a heart. And he opened the heart of this lady. Uh, And so Lydia says, I want this now. And now we see these, this perfect, you know, almost like a perfect storm of three different people come together. And Lydia, uh, once she receives Jesus Christ, it says this in verse 15, when she shared and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home and she said this, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. She puts her faith in Christ. She's baptized, she and the rest of her family and probably her servants. And then she says, here's how I'm going to express my faith. You're staying with me for the next several weeks or months as long as you're in this city. And by the way, can I get you something to eat? She responds according to her personality, just like we will. What I want to learn about fishing, what do I, what's the best way I learn about fishing? For me, it's not videos, it's getting on the river. Now, I enjoy videos, uh, but, but believe me, they don't do me any good unless I get on the river. And what she is saying is my personality says, the way I'm going to express my faith, the way I'm going to grow in my faith, is be hospitable to you. You don't look for a hotel, you're staying right here. What would you like to eat? And so she, he's, they, they stay there for quite a while. Now, you have to read the rest of Acts 16 to understand. They're there for weeks or probably a couple of months. And as always, Paul starts a riot or a riot gets started. He's thrown in jail. There's an earthquake in the jail. The jailer uh, puts his trust in Jesus, watching how Paul responds to the earthquake when he should have been able to escape. Instead, he stays right there uh, rather than disobey the law. Uh, he says, I can obey the law because in doing that, I'm giving honor to God. And so uh, Paul and his team uh, 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 later receive an apology from the, um, uh, from the city leaders. But then the city leaders say, look, we're so sorry that this happened to you. We realize you're innocent. But could you just leave? Wherever you, you know, Paul, we're so aware. Wherever you go, there's this trouble. And so... Why don't you just leave? And they did. But when they left, it says that after they came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. And then they left. Now, here is how marvelous it is when we learn how people grow. We look at grace, but all the other, uh, uh, you might say, all the other core values that we see evident in this church already where grace is how we get into the kingdom, uh, but uh, uh, how we grow is how we influence the kingdom and influence others. So we have these three characters, Luke, Saul or Paul, and Lydia. And look what look how different they are when they place their faith in Christ. You start with Luke, and what's he like? Well, he, you know, he's on this mission trip. And uh, he's probably only been a Christian for a few years. He finally gets to the Greek part of the world, and he's a Greek. And he, as he watches Paul first here and then at other places, uh, even in, in Rome, he realizes that what the Europeans are looking for is not what the Jews and, 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 and the Asians or the, or the Turkish people are looking for. And so what he says is, I, you know, I need to write a story that appeals to these people. And how does he do that? He gives up his medical practice 
goes and catches as many eyewitnesses to Jesus as he can possibly find who are still alive. He writes down their stories and it becomes what we know as the Gospel of Luke. Done and and composed by many, many eyewitness extensive interviews. There's a a man in our church who says, you know, I, I, I sit down and I try to read the Bible, but really the way I learn best is by doing a project where the Bible is involved. And he says, I, I seem to pick up more doing that than being in a class. Now, I was in classes till I was 27. I became an expert in classes. I, I learned exactly what not to do and how much effort to put in and what it took to get a good grade. It was easy. But not everybody learns that way. Luke does his own investigation. Now look at Paul. Uh, Paul is different in that he comes to Jesus Christ. And, 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 and soon afterwards, because one of the reasons is he's so, he's so divisive and so polarizing that nobody wants him to stay with them. They, some think that he's an internal spy, you know, and he's going to report them to the authorities. Uh, others say, we just don't be, want to be around you. We don't trust you yet. Well, uh, so he is such a hot potato that they always send him away. But it's when he's in places like Arabia and and in his hometown of Tarsus that he begins to put together all the learning he had as a Pharisee and put it together with what he is learning uh, about Jesus in the Old Testament. And, and, And he puts those together and you get something like the book of Romans. And nobody else could pull that off. You see, he learns... And he grows by going on long, extended, forced retreats. <laughs> I think that's so cute. Uh, but then when he's out in the public, he's always on the offense. He's always an all-in guy. And, and I want to show you, understand the difference. You, you cannot read many places that Paul visited without him being either thrown out or thrown in jail or within a riot or being beaten. And once he gives a list of how many times he suffered in Second Corinthians. Uh, you cannot find one time in all of Acts where it says Luke spent a night in jail with him. Luke always got off the hook. <laughs> There's no evidence that he ever suffered at all. He was too busy in the background saying, now what did Jesus say again? Now, Paul, let me make sure I got that right. He looked like a reporter. He could show his badge. See, I'm a reporter. Don't send me to jail. How different, and yet how effective each would be. Now, I'm not Paul. Paul wrote a series of letters which we call books. I once read a book. I I don't have that intellect. I don't have that ability to put everything together. But now comes Lydia. She is a businesswoman. She never goes, uh, you know, it says, it never says that she gave up her business or do anything like that. But instead, she is the one who says, when believers are here in this community, they're staying at my house. And she expresses her faith through her hospitality. Now, we've been working uh, as a staff and, and, and working with both outside and inside sources trying to figure out how people grow. And understand, we would like to say, well, 
because this is the way it was done when I was going through uh, uh, school and seminary. Uh, we, first of all, you take this course, and then you go, and then you take this course and this course, and by the end of that time, you finish the 600 level and you get a degree and you know everything you need to know. Um, then they sent me out into a church and I knew nothing. So we have a Venn diagram that we want to show you here. You see this? This is how people. And it's not linear. It's by a series of experiences and seasons in your life. And, and, and the best way I can say this is that for most of us, we grew up in the church learning. And we wanted our head and our heart to be together. But by our head, it means when we come to Jesus Christ, we have so much to learn. And, and we just absorb it and go to class after class after class. And, and all that really helps our head. But in addition to that, we have to grow in our convictions. We know what this means. We know the facts about this. But what are our convictions about it? And more than that, what commitments will we make? So our head and our heart tend to work together as we learn things. But that's not the only way in which people grow. We also understand that relationships are important. You need to be around Christians. Not only, not exclusively. But you need to be around other Christians. I learned to pray not because I retreated. I learned to pray because I got in a prayer group. I got in a prayer group. And more than that, when I got into the prayer group, I realized, oh, Lord, last time I remember praying, I I asked that you would help me find two socks that were the same color so I could go to school you know, with the same color socks, and you failed me. And I went with a brown and a blue, and I got teased all day. So I didn't believe much in prayer. There was a whole decade or two of, you know, time in between, which I didn't pray much. Well, now I sit with people. And in those relationships, they tell me how to write down my prayers, how to be praying for them, how to care for others, not just asking for myself, uh, how, to, how to learn to praise and do all these other things that just made prayer a joy for me. Well, that's one way we learn. And the other way is by activities. Um, we don't know how long Luke was a believer before he joined up with Paul. But we do know this very early as a young Christian, a skilled doctor, he went on a mission trip. He said, Paul, I want to be part of your team. I'll be your attending physician. And, and poor Luke, I mean, here he is the attending physician and he sees Luke, I mean, he sees Paul healing people without any medicine. You know, that, that's very humbling. Um, but that's how he grew it. And understand the activities you get involved in also are deeply a part of your growth. Now, do you see, we couldn't quite do all the shading here, but do you see this right here, this little section? We call that the sweet spot. We will have certain tendencies that say, you grow best this way. And we don't have to be embarrassed about it. That's how God made us. It's not about us. It's about the God who has created us and said, you will grow best this way. But we will be different. And it's really about God. But we understand if we resist the activities and if we resist uh, the head and heart or we resist uh, Christian relationships, that we will be missing out and becoming more like Jesus Christ, which is the goal. So let me take you through what the rest of these core values are. 
and we understand that you know this is something that we all believe is important, but now how do we state it in a way so that we can say it to one another, remember it ourselves, and, and, and say it to others? Well, we started with come as you are. That is crucial that we are not perfect and we do not expect you to be. We are not perfect, and how dare we say that if you come to us in a mess of a problem, or you come to us and you, there's just, you need a lot of straightening out, that we aren't willing to love you as God loves you. Grace is the first core value. And we desire to show it to others so they'll believe that God shows them their grace. Uh, the next one that we want to look at is what we call a transformational relationship with God. What do we mean by that? Well, we're just not talking about a religion here, but a real relationship. And like I grow in relationships being around other Christians, understand that as I'm with God, that relationship has caused me to grow and to change in my life. We're not talking about self-help here or how to get in physical shape. We're talking about how to become the person God has designed us to be in, in character, in nature, uh, so that we are, are really labeled like they were in Antioch, little Christians, little, little Christ, because that, that's what Christians mean. So he, God does this, and he'll do it time and time again. His main resources are from his word, the Bible, through his spirit, who works within us when we trust in Christ, and as we're around God's people. Third core value is that we're anchored in the Bible. We believe that we present to the world, and I'm studying all the major worldviews right now, uh, and, and we believe that our worldview informs all of life's questions and all of human's longings. Our Bible is the source book. It is not just a worldview, but it is the source book because we believe it was inspired by God. Therefore, it is true in all that it teaches. But more than that, it offers practical wisdom and teaches us how to live. What do I mean by that? If you want to know how to follow Jesus with authenticity, it's in the book. If you want to know how to have a winning marriage and a family life, it's in the book. If you desire to have a reputation of integrity in the world, the book will tell you how. To put the book aside means one of God's best resources you are rejecting. Now, this is one that, that every church will not be demonstrating, but we have committed ourselves to it. Uh, after being anchored in the Bible, we believe we always want an intergenerational ministry. And it shows here today. What do we mean by intergenerational? We believe that people or believers at every age and every stage have a vital contribution to make in our community. Our children are important here. Both ends of the spectrum. Those who are my age or older, you're important. And we want to make you feel important. More than that, we understand you have special contributions to make. This is why Jesus seemed to, to really say, don't keep the children from me, let, let them come to me. And he said it more than once. And, and, and we have a story that we're telling here. It happened about five or six years ago. Um, uh, one of our three-year-olds was in the back room, and that three-year-old was learning about miracles. And um, uh, the teacher asked, you know, do you know anything about miracles? And not quite getting to Jesus yet and the miracles he did. And 
three-year-old raises his hand and he says, Oh, yeah, my mommy says it will be a miracle if I ever get potty trained. (laughs) Now, we're still telling that story. Why? Because a three-year-old miracle is different than a Peter miracle of walking on water. And by the way, within months, he was potty trained. I think his mom danced, okay, something like that. But it was, it was a beautiful thing to see. And, and when we got that message, we said, yeah. Uh, let me share another miracle. Go to the other stage of life. Sitting among us here are some of the elderly whose life partners are slipping both physically and mentally. And it's not easy. Um, when we were in our previous church in a, in a rough part of California, when we were in that church, um, several people came to us who were also in that stage of life and say, I, I'm here and I, it looks like the assignment I have is to care for my uh, husband or my wife as uh, dementia creeps in and whatever. And I, it's been suggested to me that I divorce her, put her in institution, and um, the state will take care of her, and then that, therefore I can leave more money to my children. I said, interesting. Oh, how do you plan to do that? And by the way, I'm looking at two or three people who have heard that themselves right here. What do you plan to do about that? And they said, well, you know, it just seems to me that when we got married, it really was for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. So what do you plan to do about it? Well, the example that I can point to here, as well as there, was I plan a lifelong partnership that will be renewed in heaven. Therefore, I'm just going to stick it out. And if I run out of money, then the state can take over. (laughs) But they haven't yet. God's been faithful. We have a lot to learn from people in all stages of faith, new to experience. We have a lot to learn from people in all phases of their faith and all ages, from the youngest to the oldest. I hope you believe that, and I hope you see it consistently demonstrated here. And finally, we want to be a church that is just not sitting around saying, isn't it wonderful to be together? But we have a heart for mission. We believe that the needs of our world will move us. God uses those to move us into action. And you need to know this if you haven't heard. With our annual budget, not including what's being given for, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, for, the, for the new facility, with our annual budget in terms of all the money that comes into the general fund, you add another half of that, and that's what's going overseas or to different missions, both locally and... So we're obviously financially invested. But there are other things that we have done that say we're just not financially invested, we're personally invested. Teams have gone to Romania. Teams have gone to Mexico. And we have sent other teams 
the Haddads are in France are dealing with the, the newest philosophies of, 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 that uh, only Jonah can understand, okay? Uh, and, and he knows how to speak to them. But they're also dealing with the previous scandals of, of the Catholic Church so that many have turned away looking for other things. But we here, we know the Jesus of history and we also know the Jesus of heaven. And so we're moved by compassion to do many things. And the way you learn or the the things that pull at your heart might be very different. For some of you, it might be justice. For some of it, it might be poor. For some of you, you're moved by truth. And those are the things that will move you into mission. God loves them all. God loves them all. The best way I can explain these these core values is this is what was said to us. It's like a riverbank. When people think of your church, we want to make sure we're always within these bounds of the riverbank. These are the things that we will commit ourselves to accomplishing and doing in some way. And and we don't want to go out of the riverbank and, and flood over somewhere else. Now, the question is, well, how do we travel down that riverbank in these core values? Well, some of us will do water wings. You know, and just sort of float down. Other of us might get an inner tube. Some of us might go on a rafting trip. And some of us might say, I'm, I'm a Mississippi paddle steamer. You know, I'm, that's how I'm going down. The, the ways we do it will be various. But in this riverbank, we're just not here for ourselves. We are here to bring glory and honor God. Building up the family. Serving our community. Sharing Jesus' love with the world. Let's pray. Almighty God, what a great and wonderful God you are. And sometimes we're so distracted or so uh, so busy with so many things, we forget that you just don't save us, but you call us. You call us to display your grace and to grow in your grace and grow in such a way that we'll have influence in so many ways. So, Lord, may you continue to increase our influence. We just don't want to believe in you, but we want to make a difference in the way we live. And through this, what we're asking is, Lord, work in us in the unique ways that you have made each of us to be signposts of your grace wherever we go and help us to grow in such a way that like in that city of Antioch where Paul and Luke were, the people were so Christian that they were called Christian. Thank you, Lord. God's people said, Amen.